What's up, folks? It is Tuesday night. Uh, what is it? May 31st, the end of May coming up. Summer is just around the corner. And if you live down here in Florida, it's summer all the time. It was a crazy Memorial Day weekend, meaning there was tons of fun on the beach, on the boats, on the jet skis. Everybody was out, but we hope that everyone was safe. More importantly, to make sure you're able to enjoy the rest of your summer. But with that being said, tonight we have the president of the basketball league, David Magley, will be with us. Excuse me, will be with on us tonight. Will be with us if I get the words out right. Will be with us tonight. Uh, so we'll discuss about his career and then more importantly about the TBL playoffs because for the first time in the Tampa Bay Titans franchise history, which I was able to say last Friday. The Tampa Bay Titans are in the playoffs, and they will be playing the Tallahassee Southern Kings during the regular season. It was split between both teams, so this is the best of three, which means, obviously, you have to win two out of the three in order to advance uh, to the next round. So we'll get into that with David, also about his Cleveland Cavalier day as a professional basketball player. So it's going to be lots of fun. And of course, the Godfather's waiting on the other side, so thank you all for tuning in tonight here stateside. Overseas, Australia, Kenya, Philippines, you name it, and in South America, we do appreciate it. As it is episode 138, we thank you. I'm Angel, and welcome to Grocery South. And sometimes he's like the dreams and nightmares that you don't want, but nevertheless, it is the Godfather, Mike. See, I figured you would come in like the Eagles, a little bit of Meek Mill there of our friends with dreams and nightmares, but Fuji, how are you this Tuesday evening? Tuesday night, coming off a great Memorial Day weekend. Thank you to everybody in the military for their service once again. They're not backed enough. NBA stage finals is set. Golden State, Boston, OTA is kicking off. Phillies are a train wreck. Angel, how are you? Let's get the show rocking. Let's talk TVL basketball playoffs. I'm fired up for this one. Get it rocking. Yes, sir. Yeah, the Phillies are a mess, but we'll get into that a little bit later on because as many people want, obviously Joe Girardi out of here. We had a discussion earlier. You can't blame it all on Joe Girardi. And by the way, if you guys see a couple of uh, spots and stuff going on here on the screen, because in the studio windows, you guys can see here, it is not dark out here, so the sun is setting. And unfortunately, you'll see all kinds of weird zones and stuff going on because, Lord, well, it faces out there towards the sunset. The Lord's blessing with those sun rays right there on Broad Street, <laughs> right there on that logo. Amen. It could be. It very well could be. I see the comments already coming in tonight, but again, from the Basketball League. And if you guys do not follow the Basketball League, you can follow it on TVL Pro League on Twitter, T Basketball League on Instagram, and on Facebook, the Basketball League. Also, you can follow David Magby where, of course, right there at the TBL Pro League. And with that being said, we'll bring in the man himself, David. How are you this evening? And thank you for joining us tonight. So the first question has to be Pats, Geno's, or Tony Luke's? Well, I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let Fuji go first. You know what? This, this question is so saturated in this city. It's because <laughs> May... You either like your your steak chopped, very fine, chopped up, or you like the slabs with Gino and Pat's do. Also, I believe Tony Luke's. It's it depends on what mood I'm in. I mean, I 
I mean, I'll say this. Everybody loves Geno's being the original. I mean, Pat's being the original. But Geno's is cleaner than Pat's, if you ever notice. Like, you know, sanit to me, sanitary-wise, I just, it. you know, this question's so overrated. And yeah, but, Fuji, but you got to think about it, though. Some places that are, like, almost like dumpster dives are a better place to go. Like, so for me, I've been a Pat's fan all my life. That's where we went as kids. That's where you end up going. Geno's has become like Vegas across the street with the lights and the shirts and everything else. So for me, David, I will say just from my own place uh, here, you have Geno's with the Coves. And for me, I believe Pat Six, one of the bigger staples involved here. I'm not saying I'm not saying either. I'll take Tony Luke's for a preference. Because to me, it's like Geno's and Pat's are just and, and Mike, like, I'm 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 joining you with Tony Luke's. And, and I'll go a step further and say the best in the Gulf Coast is in Bradenton, Florida, at a place called South Philly. It's right across the street. It's actually same side of the street as IMG Academy. And I've, I've eaten there a hundred times. I lived in Bradenton. Probably 80 of the times Nick Boletari is over there from IMG eating one. And, and it's just a kind of a staple. And he literally flies his bread in every day from Philly. Where's his, where does he get the bread from? I don't know that. Maybe well, you'd have to kill me if you told me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it, for years it was Amoroso. But now you got his, his group, not his group, that's pastries. You got uh, Zarcones, and there's another. It's the bread that makes it. Oh, yeah, I mean, everybody God. talks about the bread with, you know, the water. And what's whatever's in the bread, it's the water of it. That's what well, it's always and, been discussed. And in South Philly, my favorite sandwich is their chicken. They 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 do a chopped up chicken that is just oof. Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's too. South Philly and, yeah. and Bray. Tony, Tony Luke's has a hell of a chicken cobbled sandwich. No, so they do. And he goes over the states. I had Tony Luke's uh, cheesesteak with eggs for breakfast in in the in the Philly airport about two months ago. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going to be late to my plane, but I don't care. I'm enjoying the sandwich. <laughs> to, to give, me, that give me the chicken cobbled sandwich with the sharp provolone any day. Everybody can have the steaks and all that. Because you know what? There's there's so many places here that Delisandro's and East Falls, Jim Steaks used to be. I don't know if they're on South Street still, but there's there. there's such a preference. Everybody's got like a different preference of a Philly cheese. Yeah, I have a, a, a sales manager when I did a earlier life that was in Philly, and the only rule was if I'm in town two or three days, we eat at a different steak place every day, uh, just because you know I want to experience what, what's what the flavor is. If I go back to oh. Indiana, where I'm from, I want to have whatever the best pizza is with the best Hungarian or Polish dinner that's going on there, and you know just get a vibe for it. And in Philadelphia, that's just what it's famous for. You, you would actually have to take a full day just to go around in the famous places and just choose what you would like. Because like I said, this conversation, it's, I guess when you're, when you're from Philly and you have cheesesteaks at your fingertips, it's kind of like you could order from a, a nearby pizza place. Yeah. Which nine times out of 10, they, pretty much chopped the meat up real fine. So, yeah, but you know, you could go to Gino's or 
across the street to Pat's and right down front in Oregon at Tony Luke. So it's, you know, to me, just have you come to Philly, well, I'll take you around and we'll just do a, a cheesesteak. I, I think I had a really good steak one day at sandwich at a, a place called Oregon Trail down there about a mile from, from uh, Tony Luke's. Because that's all down there, in the south by, by the stadiums, not far from there, right? I mean, no, there was actually, there was, I don't know if it's still there, called Oregon Steaks. Yeah, I think that's where I, I was. I had one of those one time. When you said it was on Oregon, I'm like, wait a minute. I've been to a place called Oregon Steaks. You can actually walk up to the window like you can any of the three places. And, yeah. Well, I believe that's it's what, still there. When I first I'll started going to Tony Luke's, they didn't have a restaurant. It was only a walk-up. And then they went right. across the street. I built the restaurant. I felt like it lost a little bit well, when it was tell, like domesticated and you sat down and ordered it from a menu. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. You're supposed to order it and sit outside. Well, Tony Luke's across the street, they used to have an Italian restaurant. Then they converted it into a oh, sports bar, which I is know. no longer there. So it's been a minute. Sean says it's still there. That uh, Oregon State is still there. Right. But- yeah, and you get delicious food. I mean, and it was really looking. You go to Passion Avenue, Passion Avenue, David, doesn't even look the way it used to before. I mean, it's filled with so many different restaurants. Granted, the Italian market is almost kind of gone for the most part, but it's still, I mean, great food and great place to go to down there. And that's for sure. Jim Steaks, I, I actually, I like Jim Steaks as well in South Philly. They have, they're quick, like Pat Steaks, you're in and out real fast. But it's all good places. But if I had to defend a place down here locally, in the Tampa region, you got Richie Cheesesteaks. And, and Richie's, the owner's originally from South Philly. He still gets his bread every single day from Amoroso, and that's what makes the actual cheesesteaks. So he does that, and he does the boardwalk fries. So you get a flavor of both from Philly and from the shore. And speaking wow. of AC Gambits, are playing tonight. So it's, it's, a, it's a good it's, it's good food, I will say that much. And uh it, it's well. It's always a good time. Food you can always go on forever and ever because it, it's always good stuff. But it's, they, first of all, thanks again for joining us again tonight. And uh, to to start off, I guess going way back before we get into the TBL, I'd like to know coming out of high school, you're you're nominated as the Indiana man, if I remember correctly, Mr. Indiana basketball, I think the, the term is, is used properly instead of an Indiana man, but coming out of high school, going into then the college in the Kansas, how was it playing being a Kansas Jayhawk? Um, you know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an Indiana kid. It's a, it's a dream come true to play in one of the big conference, big schools. You know, it came down to me to Indiana, Michigan, and Purdue. Um, IU, my, my, when Coach Knight came to visit, didn't go very well. Um, you know, I, I made the mistake of asking the wrong question, and he kind of blew up on me. <laughs> so that wasn't very good. Uh, and and it was, you know, quite quite frankly, um, um, I I I thought it was a neat place. And the longer I play, it's like being Mr. Basketball in Indiana has an award that means means so much more the older you get, because people recognize that that concept as a as a gold standard. Playing basketball at Kansas is a big deal. The older you get, and quite frankly, Coach Williams, Coach Self, they've done an incredible job of building on the program. And even Coach Brown, after my coach, all did a nice job. Coach Owens was my coach for 19 years, was there 19 years, and went to a couple Final Fours. And then Coach Brown won the championship with Danny Manning, and Coach Williams went to three Final Fours, and now Bills won two, two national championships. And it's just what a great place to play. 
Um, they're passionate. It's a, it's, it's all about basketball. It's not a football school. It's a basketball school. And, right. and you know, football's okay, but it's nothing like that. I mean, it's, it's a big deal to be a Kansas basketball player and being from Indiana, it's kind of a pretty neat thing to get to be a part of both of those traditions. Dave, uh, just to touch on, I was researching you a little bit this morning when I heard you're coming on. Um, you just played one year in the NBA. Is that correct? Yeah, I just played long enough for them to realize they made a gross error in judgment drafting me so high. Uh, you know, um, I was drafted by a guy named Bill Musselman, whose son Eric is the head coach at Arkansas. And, and Bill uh, really liked what Detroit was doing with Isaiah Thomas and Kelly Chapuka. Kelly was a very athletic 6'6 wing from Notre Dame, and Isaiah was, you know, the, the IU great. So he drafted a guy named John Bagley from Boston College and me. Uh, Bags was the 17th pick of the first round, and I was the 28th pick, the fifth pick of the second round. And he thought, you know, he would have a team that could run like that. Before he could ever prove his concept, they fired him in the, in the exhibition season. So it kind of made me expendable because the new guy that came in didn't see us that way, saw a different talent. Uh, I played a little over half a year and was doing, it seemed to be the last few games. I was picking up, getting in every game, getting to play a few minutes. And then, and then he, he called me to the office and said, Mags, we're going um, to give you a guaranteed contract next year. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. He goes, yep, um, and that's in my, I think my pay, the year two in a contract was supposed to be 150, which was a lot of money back then. And, and he said, but we need you to go on the injured reserve list. And I said, well, I'm not hurt. He goes, that's no big deal. We're only allowed to keep 12, but we can keep three injured guys, and we're going to move you to a guard. And there was no such thing as a 6'8 white guard back then. And I was kind of like a unicorn the way I played. And so they're going to develop me while they bring in another small forward to work him out. And I said, what does that mean? I said, you gotta, you got to fake an injury for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, we'll put somebody else on the injury reserve list, and that's how we'll manage our roster the rest of the year. We're not going to the playoffs, so we just want to develop you a different way. And while it was flattering and it was very uh, appealing, uh, it was compromising. And I, I just I don't compromise. In my mind, I share with them what is the profit of man to gain the world lose his soul. He says <laughs> – you will never play again in the NBA. If you don't do this, not only will we cut you, we'll cut you and we'll make certain no other team ever gives you another another tryout, another contract. And I'm like, well, you know, you don't have that kind of power. And, and if you think you do, go for it. So they did. They cut me in. And, um, yeah, it was it was uh, emotional because I'd never, I'd never failed in anything in my life. And, and um, now I was back to square one. And, by the time I got to Kansas City, the head coach of the Kansas City Kings, which was where Sacramento used to have their team, was in KC. Uh, Cotton Fitzsimmons said, Mags, come down to Kemper Arena. I want to t talk to you. And I thought he was going to give me a 10-day contract there. And he said, uh, you need to go to Europe because no one in the NBA will give you another real look for a few years because of the things that, that the then head coach Tom, Tom Nasalki had said about me from Cleveland. They said you were the last one to practice, the first one to leave. You got a really bad attitude, you're not a good teammate, and, and you wouldn't go on the injury list. The only thing that was true about that whole story was I wouldn't go on the injury list. I was the first one to practice. I'm an Indiana kid. What else do we have to do but play ball? Last one to leave. I was the best teammate. They had to tell me to sit down and stop cheering so much because that's just was about I wanted to win. I wanted to be a part of something. And so I didn't fit the culture where they were. And, and, and 
you know, looking back on it uh, 40 years later, I'm the wealthiest man I've ever met. I, I, I don't, I, I don't have any money, but I got a, I got a great faith that's, that's real. I got a smoking hot wife. I got amazing kids, uh, four of them, all college athletes. And I got soon to be eight grandbabies. I don't think you can have more than that. And I'm not certain I would have had any of that had I compromised and, and, and chased the money and stayed there. So it was not the greatest MBA uh, story, but it's the best success of my life because I never knew that I was, um, um, if, 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 if I was capable of, of being that bold. And I'm glad I am. And, and, I, and I think I benefited for it. That's a very interesting story. You know, it's, you know, as they say, God closes one door and opens another. Whereas you said, you know, you know, the materials aren't everything. You know, it's just more like you say, your family, your your wife having your health, being happy, you know, well, you know, best things in life. We all have an end date that's coming. And, right. and the question is, what do we do with that time and that dash, right? And exactly. That's where it counts. I've got 528 young men that are playing pro basketball because of what we do. I've got 190 that are playing around the world, 12 in the NBA G League and three in the NBA. And none of that would happen for most of these kids if it wasn't for the basketball league. So even though I'm in my early 60s, I'm still relevant. I still know what time it is. When I see these kids and they say, Mags, you got some fine drip on your arm, I know what they're talking about. I don't, I'm not looking for the, for the, for the leak from the ceiling. I, I know they're talking about bling or, or jewelry or something. Because I get to be relevant because I'm around you. So it, it's keeping me young. It's giving me a chance to do something that most people my age are talking about. Send my send my check to the third palm tree from the left. Man, my retirement plan is death of Walmart. I'm never retiring. If I sell this league, I'm 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 coaching high school again. I'm doing something, but I'm never going to retire because I got too much to do. It's your passion and desire. Amen. Yeah, sure. And listen, when you one thing that we always say, and I'm pretty sure those who listen to us all the time hear it, but one thing that we say here on the show is that once once this becomes basically not fun anymore. And you don't do it. And for us, we have as much fun as we possibly can because we love what we do, especially Fuji and I. I mean, we, we have a, a blast doing this. It's a lot of fun. And that's what we hope to keep growing and keep excelling and keep doing what we're doing. And then now, even with the basketball league, having the opportunity of broadcasting over 145 countries, you know, that's amazing within itself. And it, it's fun for, for those who haven't been to a game, whether you live in Florida, Indiana, if you're out there in New York, I mean, obviously in Jersey Shore, you got the AC Gambits. That are playing tonight. If you get the opportunity to go, first of all, it's it, the tickets are are I believe between ten to fifteen dollars, very reasonable, even during the playoffs. The excitement is as good as it gets because you have times where we've seen with the Tampa Bay Titans one part this season, we're down by twenty-two points at the half, and then they're coming back to win by twenty-two at the end of the game, and that's how quick the momentum shifts. And some teams are only able to show up with eight guys, not because they want to, it's just with the availability they have. But those eight guys play like 12 men, and it's crazy to see that. We saw it in the last home game at, on Friday. So it's this league, I will say, as we talk about it here, uh, mixed in with everything else, but the league itself, it's so much fun to go to. It, it's very family-friendly, number one. So if you want to take the family out for a good time, and, and under $50, basically you can take everyone out, and they do you know, some locations have refreshments and stuff at, at the door. But the excitement within itself, it's fast-paced. There's no, you know, commercials in between. So the, the game just, it's, you know, 
quick bam, and, and it seems like it's over. At the half, it's 10 minutes, it's a quick half, and then we're right back to the action again. And for the players, I feel, Dave, that could be wrong, but for the players, I think also that 10-minute period in between the half, they like it as well because if, whether you're up by two, you're down by two, or you're even, no matter which way you look at it, they're dining you back on the court to showcase their talents and what they're planning on do for future agents and coaches and everybody else. So for us as fans, as broadcasters, as people, we'd like to thank you and Evelyn for what you guys have done to be able to put these guys on that kind of platform. I'm not going to say pedestal, but that kind of platform where they can go out there and they can show exactly what they're all about and they can hone their skills in. I mean, you take Bessel Harfuch, the owner of the Tampa Bay Titans, I mean, he had the opportunity to play overseas. Then he comes back from overseas. He basically jumped on a plane, comes back, starts playing with the team about the third game in, and unfortunately he was injured, and he's still injured, nursing the hamstring. But it just goes to show you how quickly things can develop. And in the entire league, it's great because you can see people sharing other people's posts. You can see them commentating on there. So it's different from the – not trying to bring the NBA into it, but different from the NBA where the NBA – you may not be as recognized as you do with the TVL, meaning by even by your social media platforms. You know, you could say some, you could be a fan of the Titans, but you could say something about Tallahassee when they're playing on a whole different night, or you could say something about currently about the current teams right now playing throughout the playoffs. So it's it's been fun for me the experience so far this year. I can't wait to do it again come next year. But I'm taking in the moment leading up to the first playoff game because that's going to be exciting, and I hope everybody turns out in the in Tampa, Florida. But it's it's amazing what you guys have been able to put together. And I guess like you said, you know, being a professional player yourself and playing in college, you know, you you've had now that opportunity within your own self to showcase these guys and what they can do. And speaking about showcasing, I want to see if this is correct because I'm looking at a throwback picture here. Is this the Larry Bird against David Magley back when you were with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, or could it? It could be some other random white guy, but it looks enough like me. <laughs> <that I can. laughs> Dave, but, um, you know, you know it, it, it's funny what you're saying, though. You know, we try to build rivalries. Your game last week was against Gulf Coast from Sarasota, and Tallahassee's not that far away. In Eastern PA, where you all are, we've got a team in Allentown, a team in Reading, and a team in Lancaster, and those three teams have great broadcasting crews, and they go at it and. To your point, we want to be a showcase league for everybody. We want to see our broadcasters get bigger gigs because of this. We want to see our dancers. You know, some of our teams leverage all the TV timeouts and all the spots because it's it's more of an entertainment for something like a, a Kokomo. The, the smaller the town, believe it or not, it's easier to succeed in a league like this in a smaller market than a bigger market because, you know, Tampa is a, a major pro market. Tampa is – it's got the it's got the baseball and it's got the football it's got the hockey so they think that they should have major major so it's a lot easier for for Kokomo than it is for Tampa or for Lebanon than it is for San Diego or or or, or it is for Jamestown New York than it would be for New York City because what else is there to do in some of these markets right. so they really get embraced by the fans they're a big deal when you're in Kokomo they're they're they're, they're posting on a on a Wednesday. We got to make more strawberry and lemonade because our our guys are coming in today for lunch, and the hometown cafe is going to be packed with fans wanting to see their their local guys. What a cool right. thing for a guy that can't make it to the NBA or the G League and doesn't necessarily want to go overseas or needs a a venue to get overseas. It, it just it seems to work well. Dave, going back to eighty two, eighty three, 
uh, you know, the Sixers ended up beating the LA, sweeping the Lakers and, you know, in four games. Did, what was it like playing against Moses Malone and Julius Serving, Magic Johnson? And well, if I was if I was a step faster, Dr. J would have dunked on me on national TV. I just couldn't catch him. It was a, it was a blessing. You know, and it's funny. I'm a fan just like everyone else. So when I meet Doc, it's like, oh my God, it's Dr. J. I, mean, I, right. I don't do autographs, but I'm sure wanting one. I'm wanting to, to and, and you know what? He was he literally, he walked in our locker room at Cleveland. We were cheap. Everyone else's locker room had sodas and beer on tap. And I mean, it was like a little pub in there. Cleveland, they, you could go, you could, I had chains that I could go get sodas out of the soda machine. So he's like, hey, Rook, is there any, is there any, anything with caffeine in here i'm kind of needing some caffeine i'm like sure dr chapstick and i ran out <laughs> the I had, but i didn't ask him what kind of soda he wanted so i bought like one of every kind they had and he was laughing he's like i don't need five of them i'm like dude i didn't know which one you wanted and i didn't get the i didn't get in the game and after the game he sought me out and he said hey i talked to billy c about you he thinks you're a pretty good player whether he did or he didn't he didn't have to go the extra mile to, to, to validate me as a rookie that's insignificant just because I bought him a soda. So I'm, I'm a, you know, I really, that experience, and then going to play in the spectrum, you know, you know, that's, that's where Rocky fought in the mythical movie and the, you know, the, 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 they were on their way to, 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 to win the world championship with Moses' famous four, four, four. They were going to win every series in four games. And, yeah. um, and they were good, and they had—I mean, they had Mo Cheeks and Andrew Tony and and Bobby Jones, and and, and they were just Daryl Dawkins. They were just a fun team to to play against, and um, you know, it was an honor to get to be on the court with them. And earlier the year before, so my college career, my freshman year, I played against Magic. They won a championship, Michigan State. My senior year, Michael Jordan's first game was against us that he ever played. So Michael Jordan's initial game in college was against Kansas. I had 24. He had 12. But I wear his clothes. He doesn't wear mine. He's not wearing uh, mine, <laughs> but I'm wearing their Jordan. So he did a little better than I did. Right. Well, I'm going to bring in uh, the other team broadcaster who ended up making his way over to the Toronto Blue Jays. Don't hold it against him, David. It's okay. He's a Phillies fan, but he was able to, to conquer up another gig with the Toronto Blue Jays. And then is our local Tampa correspondent, Dylan's bowling and Dylan, I already see you already sporting the Kansas jersey. So I'll be honest, and I hope my audio is okay. Again, I'm using my computer mic, so I'm kind of going a little bit of a, a cheapy audio version here tonight for myself. But uh, no, I actually didn't even realize I was wearing the Kansas jersey until like today. I literally put it on just to wear around uh, as I was out doing some stuff. So it kind of worked out that, uh, that David, you ended up uh, attending Kansas. So I guess uh, this was kind of uh, perfect for, for the occasion tonight, but uh, you know, great it, to be it, doing it with is, everybody. It is, uh, when we, let me tell you something. Bill Salt is the real deal. He's a great guy. And, you know, when Roy was there, the, the unwritten rule before Roy Williams got to Kansas was that you had to be a consensus first team All-American top five player to have your jersey retired. So Wilt, JoJo White, uh, um, um, Bill Bridges, um, uh, uh, like three other guys. There was only seven or eight guys ever had their jersey retired in the first you know, 50 plus years of Kansas basketball. Um, Roy comes in 
and he changes the rules. You just have to be an All-American. So he retires 15 guys' jerseys in 15 years. So now there's 23 guys that's got their jersey retired, none of them from my era. Yeah, none of them. So Bill comes in and he goes, if that's the criteria, we need to lay that down against everyone that came before Roy. So then they retired Darnell's jersey, Valentine, Bud Stallworth, Walt Wesley. I mean, a lot of guys that were good players. Don't know if any of them should have had their jersey retired, but it was the right thing to do because, you know, that's what that's what you do. You you honor the people that came before you. If the rules change, you got to go back and honor those other ones. And recently they, they retired Cole Aldridge's jersey. And the only thing he did was, was a first-team academic All-American. Well, heck, I was a first-team academic All-American, but I for sure don't think I should have had my jersey retired. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be a little crazy. Yeah, that is. Dylan, I don't know if you had a follow-up one, but yes, Dylan, your, your audio sounds great. Okay, good. I just want I want to make sure I'm not used to not having my mic with me. I just want to make sure. So, Dave, as far as that jerseys, jersey numbers being retired for Kansas, was Danny Manning another one? Oh, yeah. Dan, see, Danny, but see, Danny's jersey would have been retired regardless of the era. Right. Danny is the best basketball player in Kansas history. You can't you can't argue it. There's no, you know, Wilt was a great player. Well, I mean, Wilt, Wilt, um, you know, Wilt, Wilt uh, averaged in the 30s in his three years of Kansas, in his two years of Kansas. Wilt had the scoring record at Kansas for many years, and he only played two years. People forget Wilt didn't play as a freshman, and he played for the Globetrotters his senior year. So we only played two years at Kansas. But Danny, as a four-year starter, got it done. And I'm here to tell you, he is the real deal. Too. He's the classiest guy. If I text Danny and I say congrats on, on the job at Louisville, getting the assistant coaching job, Mags, I appreciate it. I'm not significant to him. He doesn't need to do that. But he always is respectful, always comes back. And, and I, I appreciate people that do that. That's why I'm a big Bill fan and a big, and a big Danny fan. Did you, have, did you have the pleasure of meeting uh, Will Chamberlain? Yes. Uh, I met him. When we played uh, USC, when I was a sophomore, I think, out in, out in, so, out in Los Angeles, and he was at the game with Coach Wooden. And um, that was, you know, I, was, I, I got to meet Coach Wooden the same day. He coached at the where I went to junior high school. So South Bend Central is where Johnny Wooden's second coaching job was uh, before he went to Manchester College and then went out to, to Indiana State, then went out to UCLA. So, you know, I used to walk the hallways in that old, old high school, the original school in South Bend, and look at the walls, and Johnny Wooden was up there, and, and then so was Mike Warren, and Mike Warren is Bobby Hill from Hill Street Blues. Uh, okay. wow. His son is Cashmere, and Cashmere Jessica Alba. So, I mean, he's got a pretty interesting story, and he won – three national championships with Kareem when he was Lou Alcindor out at UCLA. So Mike Warren was a starting guard for three years at, at, at UCLA, and he's a South Bend guy. Just to touch on a little Philly flavor as far as basketball, you know, there's been some sides well coming out of Philly. There's been some great players. Um, Earl the Pearl Monroe, Pooh Richardson. I'm sure you've heard of this gentleman who – I believe still has a radio show on 94 WIP Sunday mornings. Gentleman's name is Sonny Hill. 
mm -hmm. which used to run the Sunny Hill League. Mm -hmm. Sonny Hill is, uh, I don't know him personally. He's really good friends with Larry Brown. So when Larry was coaching at Kansas and we would work Larry's camp, Sonny would always come in and spend, you know, a few days around the camp because he and Larry were good friends uh, through the years. So he's really well respected in the, in the basketball world. People, people really give him a lot of love. And it's, you know, you're right. Philadelphia is, is famous for great basketball. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of great schools, a lot of great champions. Obviously, Nova got it done, but people don't realize all, all the all the great schools that are around there that, that, that play. Is that what's that called? The Big Five? With those all those teams? It, it used to be the Big Five, and last couple years it would, they changed it to the City Six okay. because they added Drexel University to it. Okay, which you really don't have those rivalries like you did back at the Plaster here in Philly. Not so much because, like I said, they hadn't had the big five. You know, a lot of these – all these teams had rivalries going back probably, you know, the early – the 80s and before. Well, so I think my favorite Philadelphia team was that Phil Martelli team when Jameer Nelson and Delonte West were making that run. That was fun. Right. Yeah. 19 – it was like 1994. In that era. It's, it's it's funny, I, not not to change the topic, but I asked a, 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 a famous former NBA, a couple of them, Kendrick Perkins is one. I said, let me ask you this: Is it a fair statement to say that most guys that played ten years or longer feel like Delonte West looks when they come out of the NBA? And he goes, "Man, that's a great point because they've done something their whole life, and all of a sudden it's done, and it is." We have, I mean, it happens to manifest itself with Delonte and mental health and, 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 and right. problems. But there's a lot of guys that get out of that NBA without purpose and without direction, and they're feeling like he looks. And that's something that we need to be a little more sensitive to, I think, as a, as a business. Right. To how do we, one of the things we pride ourselves in is we want our, our coaches and our executives and our team market owners to look like our players, so our players have something to dream of. That we want them to play. And then when they get done, I'm not just an entertainer. I can do more than this. And how do we? What do we do? Is we we, we give them a greater greater purpose of what they're looking for, and and that's that's why we do financial literacy classes and do things that are unique. Right. You know, you you mentioned the MBA earlier, Angel. The the one thing I would say, and I'm 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 a big uh, uh, Warriors guy because I just like the style of play. I like the fact they've got a lot of homegrown guys, and I got a lot of respect for that. But the one thing that, that 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 hit me wrong was when Draymond flipped off Memphis and and said, "What do I give a f? Because I make twenty five million. If they bang me twenty five grand, I don't give an f." Now, to me, part of the issue with that is, but if I'm a a, a paying father of four, it took me it took me a week's pay to right. save up to get a decent ticket, park, get food, and buy some merch just so I could watch you play. And you casually throw that off? Like, what do I care? I make 25 million. What makes this unique is that, man, none of our guys make much money. They do it because they love it. And right. they love, as Angel said, when they're done, these kids love interacting with the crowds. They love being a part of the, the TVL family and, and, and all that. They see my wife, they run up and give her hugs. And if they got a problem with their kid or their, or their girl, they might ask her for prayer or, 
know, it's just a different world that we're in. And we get to know these young men as people. And they're pretty special stories. And that's, that's what makes it pretty cool because they've got so much more value than the fact that they're multimillionaires that can put a ball in a hole. Oh, exactly. For sure. Yeah, one of the fans, youngest fans that, that we've had with the, uh, at Blake High School all season long, she ha- can't be more than probably three or four years old. And she comes in every single week with her mom, and she'll sit there, she'll, she'll dance a little bit, she'll sing a little bit. I mean, and <clears throat> just as comes can be, the <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> doesn't scream or anything else, <clears throat> and enjoys loving being there. And I think that's, that's what makes it different because you may not get a packed house every single week. But it's the fans who appreciate the game. It's the fans, you know, that want to come there. It's also the girlfriends, the wives support their their man, you know, their player on the on the floor. And we've had even the team that that's played away that may have had local fans. Because, like I said, you could be you can be a Tampa Bay Titans fan. But if Tallahassee comes into town, which is just north here of Tampa, but if they have their fans that come in from out of town, I mean, they make the road trip with them as well. And I think that's that's kind of the advantage that you. You've gotten away from the NBA. I know the NBA is worth millions upon billions of dollars. We all get it. We all understand it. But there's a difference when you have that hometown still mentality where you can infuse that into everyone and everyone can end up joining in and just having fun, and especially down in Tampa because they're right next to Armature Works. You're right downtown Tampa. So you can take you and the family, go for a walk, you know, walk around the, the, uh, the walk itself is about two miles long in between – in War City, down to Tampa, but it, all that culminates where you can enjoy your time watching these guys put in the, the best time they possibly can on the floor. And at the end of the game, I mean, you still see them shaking hands. You still see them doing things that you probably wouldn't see at another level because they talk to each other after the game is over. Whether one team was beaten by ten, you know, and or if you end up coming on the losing end, it doesn't matter because they still end up getting along and making that connection. And that, to me, that that speaks volumes as far as well, what this team. Again, when I was there, David Stern hadn't quite come in. Still, Lawrence O'Brien was the commitment. Stern and, and Adam Silver have made this the global game, and it's the best league in the world, in my opinion. I'm a Cubs fan. I hate to tell you Phillies guys that because I'm from <laughs> South Bend up by Chicago. I grew up watching WGN. I like right. the Bears. I like the Cubs. I like the Bulls. I like the Blackhawks. All that stuff because that's where it is. But right. I – I have you gotta have respect for the global game that we have that Adam and, and David built. So by no means would I ever say something about the NBA that I'm taking a shot at them, but the nature of the the the, the star power has gotten so big that right. that a boogie cousins can play nine years at one team and go through ten coaches. And you right. go, the only constant is you can't touch that guy, he behaves any way he wants to. And we can't make him better. So instead of being Boogie, being one of the best players ever in the game, he had that potential. He's a journeyman that bounced around, got a ring. He did a few things, but we never saw what he could be because no one would, was allowed to really coach him, including George Carl, one of the best coaches that ever, ever coached the game. And you look at that's a problem that that, that league has become so star-driven. We're not. We, we, we are – I mean, I remember walking into uh, the, the armory in, in, in Albany, I played for Phil Jackson there. We won a CBA championship. Phil went on to do bigger things. Really, anybody that's ever touched me has been great after they leave me. I, they're not necessarily great with me, but if they're done with me, they're going to be great after But But um, that was when we brought the team back. That first year, I remember somebody coming up to me, a woman, 
and she had tears rolling down her eyes. And she said, the last time I was in this armory was 10 years ago to watch a, a Patroons game in the old CBA. And my dad used to bring me every day, and my dad's gone now. And this reminds me of that time with my dad. And you go, how cool is that, that we could bring back those memories? And that's what the local club team feels like. If you do it well, that doesn't mean they're not still NBA fans. They don't watch TV and all that. Please do. That builds our game up. But celebrate your local guy that you, you can see, feel, smell, touch, and it's going to be accessible to them. Hey, we don't want our guys to go to lock. Stay out there at the bank, talk, and take pictures, and kiss babies, and, and, and build the brand and, 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 and make it a good experience. Right. No, it's yeah. true. And, and you're talking about, you talk about the small town feel, and, and just to bring up this picture here, because when you guys walked into the venue on Friday, I, I will say, first of all, I was. Pleasantly surprised because I wasn't expecting for you guys to be there, and it was nice when you guys walked into the door. But the one thing, and it shows how how the league runs here. Because when I saw you, and the first words came out of your mouth was, "I know you." It it made me at least feel good because at least there's again you can see everyone from the league. And there's 44 teams in this league, but you guys, you and Evelyn, you guys get to know the players. You guys get to know the owners. You guys get to know everyone even though you may not be there at every single venue but it, it's cool to even see something like that and it was fun having you guys there the whole entire time i, I had the opportunity of of uh, having interviewed evelyn after just on the flight when the game was still going on as far as the post game after it was over and it's so much fun to be able to do something like that versus again you might not be able to do it in other leagues and i think that's where i take away my stuff and, and everybody can see there on the banner as well that's the reason why i have the tv on the 10 times on the banner because I want people to understand how good you feel when you go to one of these games. And it doesn't have to be just for the Titans. It can be anywhere in this league. And, and that to me means means the world. Because again, you can be anywhere else, but if you you stay local, you cheer on local fans, I mean it's it's so worthwhile. And you know, we can't thank between you, Evelyn, and everyone who puts in all the hard work, David, at all, because it, it's just it's so much fun. I will say that much. I don't want the season to end. I know it has to, unfortunately. I don't want it to end, but it's been so much fun. Well, the the, the we we've been fortunate. Our playoffs crowds tend to grow. So you know, at the end of four years ago, uh, five years ago, the first year, the the last game we had three or four thousand people. The next year, and that was in Yakima, Washington. The next year, the last game was in Albany, New York, and we had about three thousand fans, and then. And then we had COVID and we came back and last year we had 2,400 fans. And these are almost maxing out these venues. And by the time we get to the championship, we play a best two out of three series. We have five rounds this year. Somebody gets through five rounds of the championship, their teams could get another five to 10 games. And, and that they're all fun because every game is you lose your out. So they're really fired up to be a part of that. And it makes it really good. Hey, David, a quick question real quick for you. So as you mentioned with growth, I mean, just to see how much this league has grown from kind of its early roots and the Tampa Bay Titans kind of being one of the earlier teams in this league to now see you guys are already announcing teams at the beginning of the season for next year. Like, how cool is it to see like teams jumping aboard 
even if the 2022 season is going on, they're already getting ready for the 2023 season. I saw Central Florida is going to be a new team, the Central Florida Four. So we're going to have another team here in the state of Florida. But, I mean, how exciting is it to see all this growth? And then you see NBA players who are joining in as well with team owners or coaches. I mean, it really is incredible to see how much growth and how much support this league has been given. Dylan, it's, and it's an interesting fact, which is a fact. We have never – I have never – made an outbound call to get a team. Every team wow. we've ever gotten is someone's called us with interest to buy a team. So it's, it's you know, you you the, the basic rule of business is you create demand, limit supply, and increase the price. So the good news is that eventually these teams are going to be worth the millions. And again, you look at our team market owners. They're younger. They're of different diversity. I mean, they're the front end. I mean, we have a lot of black owners. When was the last time a group of people that are young and African-American have a chance to be on the front end of an investment? And if we do a good job and run the business as we drive it up, all of a sudden we're making millionaires out of these young people. And they're going, wow, look what I got to be a part of. Now, that sounds really easy. It's not nearly as easy as we make it sound. But here we've been able to go up in the valuation of what we sell the teams for. And every year we've been able to make it make it make more sense. And we're, we've, we've lowered the cost to run a team by adding more teams. You say the Central Florida Force. Well, that now gives us four teams in Florida. We might have a fifth. We might Atlanta's coming back next year for sure. We've got uh, another team in South Georgia's coming, another team in North Carolina. So we're going to have a division that there's very few overnights. There's the, the travel comes way down in cost. And we make this a business model that is that is tenable, that you can make some real money on while you grow your valuation. So all of that means something to us, and that's what we try to do. No, it's always good. Fuji's uh, good to see you back there. You know, he had to take care of some quick business, but uh, good, for, good for you to pop back in. But no, let's, and, and as we get into the playoffs here, we know, as you said, it's, you know, the best two out of three, you get to see now the teams to be able to excel a little bit more. And as we see the brackets have finally come out and now we're dying for it all day long, for it to come out and the brackets are finally filled. But as you said, it would be more interesting to see that if, if, as you just stated, if there's more teams within the state, then yes, you know, it does cut down on the cost as far as their teams to travel, um, which is, I'm pretty sure ends up helping out their, their end as well as far as saving money and then be able to maybe advertise a little bit more. And of course using social media is the best way to do it, to put the word out for everybody. So that's it's good to see that you guys, like I said, that you you mentioned as well, black owners are more prevalent in this league because you can make a difference here. You know, it's it's affordable. You guys can collectively get together. It doesn't have to be one owner. That's the great thing about it. I mean, the Atlanta one, I believe it's like five, if I remember correctly. Five well, team owners. The, the Atlanta one's about to be. Here's here's a very unique concept, and and I, if I run out of juice, I'm sorry. But the Atlanta one is about to be owned by an NFT. Now, think about this. An NFT is a non-fungible token that's an electronic collectible. On a phone. Now, I'm old explaining this. So, Dylan, if I miss it, tell me what's right. But it's, it's basically like having a basketball card in your phone. So you have this collectible. It's dated. It's timestamped, whatever they do. But what makes them valuable is either one, because they're the um, – they are famous, you know. It's a picture of, of Steph Curry. Two, they're infamous. They're Kindle, Kindle, and they got ten million followers. Or three, they're value added. 
So that means you can make money or you can be a part of something really cool. These NFTs, you'll be able to own a team. So you buy an NFT as a collectible, but it will be owning a team which is called a DAO, a de decentralized autonomous uh, organization, which means it will actually own and operate that team. So how cool is it is to buy this thing? It's in your digital wallet and you get to vote on the color of the uniforms, the logo, where the team plays, who the coach is, who the GM is, what's going on, what should we do here? But I mean, just really literally is going to be run by that NFT group. Now, the more of those that you own, the more power you're going to have in the voting. But what a unique way to look at a business model. Yeah. And it's something that we can do because of our size and our freshness that we're, we're big enough that it's relevant but we're not too big that, that we can't pull that off. So it makes it pretty cool. Yeah, I remember, David, when that actually was announced by Atlanta because I follow all the teams here in the area, obviously being the broadcaster formerly of the team and obviously now Angel taking over the reins in such uh, midseason. But I remember when that was announced and the first thing I, I thought of when I saw that was announced was I thought of, I don't know if you've recently heard of this, the fan-controlled football league is a new league and it's got Johnny Manziel and Terrell Owens. And I kind of thought it may have been similar, but I wasn't sure how it worked and such. It, I know that's even more. Actually, the fans get to call it, make the plays on that. Yeah, okay. you, get, you get the vote on what they're going to run, uh, which yeah. is a whole different concept, but it's yeah. fun. And, yeah. and the difference with us is that may be a little gimmicky and may not have staying power, although the, the entity that owes it has raised a ton of money. So I think they're going to be around for a while because they're, they're really well-funded. Mm -hmm. We, on the other hand, have a more traditional model. We're just giving a, a different – we're almost like a hybrid of that with the Green Bay Packers where the fans own the team. So so you're able to do something really cool with it, which which makes it go – and I'm sorry if this phone dies. I'm just – I didn't get a chance to charge it 100%. And these, these interviews take a little longer. So if it does, know that I'm really enjoying this. No problem. And, and we thank you. As I, I know, you, listen, I, first of all, you've been in headquarters since the games ended over the weekend to then put together all these schedules. So Memorial Day, as much as everyone was enjoying it, we now we know you're in the headquarters. You're in there with the commissioner. You're in there taking care of business. But we appreciate, of course, you coming on. And, I, and just in case I don't get a chance to say it before your phone dies there. But we appreciate you for what you guys have done. And again, putting between the league, now the playoffs, Falling for the Tampa Bay Titans for the first time. They've been around uh, for a couple of years, but it's good to see that they're in the playoffs. And so now it's I would imagine I would love to be a fly on the wall when all this stuff goes on. So I think next year, David, if you don't mind, uh, when you guys are in your headquarters, I'll, I'll be in that little window just on the outside. Just have one eyeball <laughs> in looking in just to see how it all the process works. But I, I imagine something. I think we're going to do a weekly podcast next week, next year. And, okay. and what we'll probably do is get some really key people like you guys that rotate it and we do three or four of the best ones do one a week and we and we because we're, we're gonna we're announced today that we're gonna start rebroadcasting our games on some tv and the all sports network and they're looking for stuff like this show so we want to create more and more shows for the teams for the league so we'll be getting a hold of you guys well, we appreciate it. So I, I don't want your phone to die and then you're going away just kind of uh, mysteriously there. But if, if you have to run, I understand because I don't want your phone to completely die. I am, I am going to drop because literally it's, it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And I'd yeah. rather end on a high note. Thanks for your time. Uh, you guys were great. Uh, great questions. It was a lot of fun. And I'm excited to be a part of what we're doing. And I appreciate for all your help, guys. 
Not a problem. Not a we had one quick question that came in here. It says, uh, Sean, a good friend of the show, he says, uh, what player did you enjoy playing against uh, the best? Um, I would say enjoy playing against uh, in, in, in my uh, career. Uh, I had a fun summer one time playing against Larry every, every day at, at, in Terre Haute, Indiana State. That was really cool. Um, I played against James Worthy twice as a junior and senior. And, uh, you know, he was the guy I matched up against, and he became a great NBA player. And, you know, he's longer, stronger, jump tire, bigger hands, bigger than I am, a little more skilled. I can handle the ball and shoot a little bit better. So I, I held my own with him. So I appreciate getting to play against James Worthy. In the NBA, um, you know, most of my action shots, I have my warm-ups on still. So, you know, if I, I played so little, my snaps rusted shut on my sweats. So I can't say I have anybody that's great memories in the NBA except for a Philadelphia Sixer, World Be Free, was on my team in the second half of my year with Cleveland, and I loved that guy. We played one-on-one every day after practice, and he loved the fact that I liked to play so much. He wouldn't practice very hard, but, boy, when it came time to play one-on-one, he'd come, he'd bring it. And I loved, I loved being with him. So those were, those were some people that I got a chance to be around in my era, and it was pretty cool. And, you know, um, I'm just a Walter Mitty living the dream life of, of getting to do what I want to do in life and waking up every morning at 530. Can't wait to get after what I'm doing. Dave, quick question before you go. And I'm sure you get this a million times every day. Who's the GOAT? Michael. Right. Just, just one here for life. It's not even close. I mean, it's, he's just—he um, didn't have to. Like, I love the—I love the statement. He never went in and told them who to draft. He never told them who to get. He just said, "Whoever I got, I'm going to win with." And you know, you're either that way or you're not. And I would look at guys and I'd say, you know, uh, I remember one time uh, Chris Webber was the highest player in the NBA, and they were in the conference semifinals. Uh, against the Lakers, and they lost with, with Sacramento. And he made the statement, maybe I need to go to a team with a little bit more talent. You're the highest player in the league. How is that not enough? Or Jason Kidd went back-to-back years to the finals with the Nets, and the statement was, I got to go someplace where I have a chance to win. You're Jason Kidd, and you're in the finals. I mean, you are the chance to win. That's how Michael thought about it. I am. I, we're winning because I am that good. And, and I have respect for that. I don't need to, to go hire a bunch of people to come with me to be good. I'm that good that I can make that happen. I would argue that the most gifted, talented athlete that ever's played the game is, is LeBron. There's never been a 6'8", 6'9", kid. His body type, with his athleticism, with his skill set, can pass, can shoot, can score. He is as good as anyone's ever been there. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would be lying if I, if I could put him in the same category. And I, quite frankly, I don't even like how they judge the Lakers because they don't think about West and Baylor and Chamberlain and, and, and Jabbar and even Magic a lot of times. They forget about a lot of those guys. And you're sitting there going, really? Listen, God love Kobe. God rest his soul. He's a great player. But right. to put him above all those guys, come on. I mean, there's a really short memory for greatness, that's for sure. A couple months ago, Charles Barkley interviewed Julius Serving. And Charles Barkley said, well, who would you start a team with? And Doc 
replied Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to be his first pick to build a dream team with. And again, how do you how do you deny that? I mean, the, the guy won three state championships in New York. He won three national championships in college, and he won four four or five in NBA championships. I mean, uh, he's he's all time leading scorer. He's a legit footer. You know, Bill Russell's a whale of a player. Well, Bill Russell's six nine. There's a big difference between what Bill would bring to today's game and what Kareem could. Kareem's relevant no matter what. Thank you, guys. It's no been problem. a pleasure. Steve, I appreciate Thank it. You so much so for much. Us. Thank we you. Appreciate it. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Take care. I wanted to put it out there because his phone's about to die, so you want to make sure that, you know, not to just kind of go into a have, have a decent, Have a decent finish. <laughs> exactly. But now, getting into a little bonus time here. I know we're coming up here on the hour, but get into some bonus time now. Here, well, a couple things to go into. First of all, uh, from what was put out there in social media, I guess John Clark needed to, for some reason, put it out there that Mikey missed. His last day was today on the Fanatic. Now, we know that about five, six years ago, Mikey Miss had gotten a, the biggest contract he ever gotten from 97.5, the Fanatic. Um, the, the contract was coming up. I don't think there was going to be a re-sign. I think after a while, and who knows, Mikey Miss might pop up somewhere else. We don't know exactly where he's going to end up going. Um, could go to 94, could decide to say, you know what, that's it. Could have been a fallout. Who knows? There's going to be all kinds of rumors, speculations, all kinds of fun stuff. But Mikey Miss, apparently the last day for him was today. Uh, I know Natalie Engeloff, she had put out there a message saying that she uh, she wouldn't be where she is today if it wasn't for Mikey Miss. And I'm pretty sure Mikey Miss ended up helping a lot of people along the way. I know there's people who didn't like him. I know some people end up calling him, you know, Howard Eskin 2.0 because it seemed to be the same way. Mikey Miss sometimes will put you in your place. If he knew exactly, if he could argue a point and put it to where the argument was valid, he would just state whatever he is. So, you know, again, you could love him, you could hate him, but I guess today ended up being his abrupt ending to 97.5. And, and we know for the longest, for those who live in Philadelphia, the longest, 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 probably tenured uh, afternoon guy other than, than Cataldi in the morning. But, I mean, he, had, he always had the ratings locked. For 97.5, and I might have just come up to a point where either he, he he could be he could have been done, or who knows? But if he goes over to WIP, which I think that Sean's kind of hitting around here, that uh, it, he might end up going over there. Ah, uh, but I don't know. Just, I don't see him replacing Angelo. I don't think that uh, that I don't think Mikey Miss will be good in the morning. I will say that much. Well, drive time was good in the morning radio. I don't think that's him. Just to piggyback on what you said, I believe Howard Eskin was, you know. The drive time, the afternoon guy for a long time on WIP before he stepped away. But like Mikey Miss running a close second. I I had a conversation with a coworker today. And he he stated this. He believes a Mikey Miss probably wouldn't go back to WIP since Howard since Howard's asking is still there. Just because of you know, the falling outs that they've had. You know, go back to Steve Fredericks and Mike Messinelli back in the early 90s when, you know, the crossover was, Eskin was done in, around 6, was done in the afternoon. No, I'm sorry. It was Steve and Mike in the afternoon from like 2, I forget what the time slot was, but make a long story short. Eskin and Steve Fredericks always had that rivalry. 
for some reason. They just never got along, but you know, it was it was there between Missinelli and Eskin supposedly can't stand each other. So I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, Angelo Cataldi's due to retire by year's end, and who knows? Maybe he could hold out. But like you said, I don't I can't really see Mikey Miss doing a morning show. But then again, who the heck knows what's going on behind the scenes? What I read today from Crossing Broad is they reported that Mikey Miss's contract was up last year and they did a one-year deal. And then I guess it got to the point where they did a short-term deal for like six months. And I believe today, as you said, Mikey Miss is out at 97.5. So thing of it is, is 97.5 really going to be able to as far as ratings, I believe WIP is still, I don't know about the time slots, but, you know, how long, much longer could 97.5 be around? That's another story, especially now Mikey Miss being out. And it just seems like WIP has kind of dominated the airways, you know, for quite a few years. 97.5 was there, but, you know, only – you can only have really one talk station in Philadelphia. Well, hey, Angel, you never – hey, we got the, uh, us three. We could always take over. We could be one of the morning shows. The uh, We could, well, we could be, be brought – That would be a dream. I'll, what's I'll your, be, what, what's, what's up? Your, what's your take of this, Angel? Not to call you off. For Mikey Mess, I, I think it's – So, Mikey Mess, I, I think he kind of ran – he may have also run himself out of the building as well. And I know Mikey Miss, towards a very, I don't even want to say like the last two years, it, it's it's been either, and, and I know people might hear this and, and say whatever they want to, but I think Mikey Miss, at times he backed himself in a corner. And he's helped people. I'm never going to take that away from Mikey Miss because he's helped a lot of people. That's for sure. He never rubbed me the wrong way, so I can never say anything like super negative about Mikey Miss. I just think he may have just backed himself into a corner where, you know, the, the fanatic may have decided to say, you know what, we're just going to take this a whole different route. Obviously, they changed the morning show with John Kincaid. They moved Andrew to what middays. They switched a couple things around, and I think it's just it comes to the point of okay, if we need to be competitive with ninety four, and we know, listen, when when sports radio was on AM, ninety four ruled it for years and years and years on AM. They switch over to FM. They create, they basically take the guys from the Fanatic and shift them over to WIP. You know, and Spike, as much as people may have hated him as well, and he's no longer, I believe, with WIP as well, but he made the moves. You know, he, Jimmy Seltzer brought over there. You know, Johnny Camry brought over there. I mean, he he brought guys over there. You have, what, uh, John Marks over there as well. Sure, so you the shifted these guys into a market that's been there for years. But now if you're a Fanatic Either A, you have something in the works that you know that you want to do to change things up a little bit, and or Mikey Miss just ran this course. Not that Mikey Miss is hurt for any kind of money whatsoever, because obviously he's a professor, he still teaches. You know, I'm pretty sure that's where he gets the majority of his bread and butter from. Even though the Fanatic gave him the wealthiest contract ever in Philly, as far as for a radio personality, right. but at the same time, too, you can't keep raising those stakes. And, and I'm not saying that Mikey Miss did, but let's just say he gave Mikey Miss $20 million for five years. At the rate of the way things are going right now in our society, there's no way in the world you're going to be able to survive as a radio station with having low ratings 
and paying one person a major contract and then having your other show saying, hey, you're paying our drive time guy X amount. We're your morning show. How come we're not anywhere near around that realm, around that capacity? And then it turns around that people would turn around and they say they don't want to be there. John Kincaid told us, you know, if he can't be who John Kincaid is, he would be done. He said it to me when I was down here in, in Florida, when he came down here with uh, Philly Sports Trips. He had talked about it on the podcast. He had talked about it again when we had talked to us. So, you know, it comes down to if you can't be yourself anymore. And we know on regular radio, and it all depends too, because on regular radio, just like social media, sometimes you can look the right part and people will share your content and you'll be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And in other times, when age starts coming into a factor, people don't pay attention as much anymore. And Mikey Miss was controversial, but again, he knew what he wanted to talk about. He knew what it was to be successful. And obviously it showed for many years because for me, even when I was back home, that was my, my drive home was Mikey Miss from two to six because he, it was always something with Mikey Miss. He, he, he knew how to grab your attention. He knew at times how to get under your skin. And even if you had a great argument, he would do everything he possibly could to freaking knock you out of the park. But sometimes he got knocked out of the park. Right, I mean, you know, you just you go back to Missinelli or Esk, and there was always, you know, some backlash a couple times or controversy that blew up the airwaves. And, you know, those both of those guys knew how to sell it. No, they did. And that's, you know, God bless him because, again, he, he's not going to be hurting for anything. Do I see him at WIP at, at some form or fashion? I don't – I just don't see – I. Him on, on the morning radio. And nothing against Cataldi. Cataldi was never, ever, 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 period, my morning drive. Because there was times where it ran its course. And you can hear almost like everyone just agreeing with everything that Cataldi wanted to say. If he said the most silly joke, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's funny. That's really good. Fine. You knocked that one out of the park. And who knows if those relationships were even real. But you know what? Oh. The man, he, he had morning radio in Philly for many, 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 many years. He was able to be successful. He made WIP tons of money. So you can't even take that away from Cotaldi as well. But even, even I'm pretty sure Angelo probably just woke up one morning and thought the same thing. You know what? That's it. I'm done. What else do I need oh. to talk about? I've seen championships. I've been there, done that. So what else could you possibly do? All right. I mean, you go back to when Angelo Cotaldi and Tom Brookshire, I believe, started in probably the late 80s with the morning show originally before Al Morgani, Tony Bruno, Maria Hughes, and so on. Well, the one other thing that, that's been the hot topic, Flyers, uh, uh, one of the things that I would say as far as the, the Flyers, I, I'll kind of pause that. I was reading a, a, a comment here. I'm not too sure about what it is, but I'll get back to it. But the one thing I will say about the Flyers, the Flyers are trying to get someone out there, but the Flyers, to me, they're not seriously looking at what they actually physically need. When the Flyers are going to be contenders again, I don't know. And Philly, for, when it comes to the Flyers, Fuji, you said it best right now. I think you got to rank it. You have Eagles, Sixers, Phillies, Flyers. And matter of fact, if, you know, Union – then Flyers. And there's an actual, matter of fact, no, the lacrosse team 
Then the fire. I could keep going. How down the spectrum? Are, are the Philadelphia the Souls still a thing? <laughs> no, they're, unfortunately, COVID ran them out of town. <laughs> well, you can them. still you can still add them into the list. They still are better than the Flyers right now. They sure. won a few championships. <laughs> oh, the Soul won a couple championships since 1975. You can also add Bon Jovi into that mix as well. <laughs> oh, not he used to be part of it, not anymore. Yeah, you can still add them in. Yeah, but it's you know it's listen. The, the Flyers at, at this point really are not looking to be contenders. They're really, and I hate to say it. And and before everybody says, "Oh, you're a homer because you like the Lightning, whatever." Blah blah blah. I follow the team because I live down here. There's no different than as far as following the Bucks because, unfortunately, when it comes down to it, yes, we do have obviously Tampa fans, we have Orlando fans, we have Miami fans. We can talk about the Miami Dolphins as well and and how they're approaching things. So the, you know, we do have a following down here as well in the Tampa region, but. When it comes down to it, the Flyers are just not where they want to be. I know Claude Giroux wanted to say something while he was down there with the Panthers. And sure, it's easy to say whatever you want to when you're with the other organization. Why didn't you tell that to the Flyers fan base when you were there? You played your thousandth game. So why don't you say, if you were going to go out, you might as well just say, you know what? The organization sucks. Whatever it was that you needed to say, you should have said it right then and there. But you wait till you're down here in Florida with the Panthers, and you're saying, you know, you get it, you understand it. You know, this team wants to win in the whole nine yards. They didn't against the Lightning. They were swept out. But even so, the Flyers are nowhere where they want to be. When Ed Snyder passed away, the passion with the Flyers passed away with Ed. Say what anybody wants to. What's that? Became corporate. Right. They did. And so that's what it's me. You're not going to find. Who are you going to throw a name out there for you? Any name. Throw them out there. Who really wants to play for the Flyers? Who wants to coach the Flyers? You hear Barry Trotz, you hear, you know, different names, Rick Tockett's names mentioned, I believe. Trying to think of a couple other gentlemen, but John, uh, uh, the heck's his name? He coached the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Oh, um, oh, Barry, Barry Melrose? No. No, uh, he you could have he, him on. He could be. He could be your uh, Philadelphia Flyers talk show host. <laughs> no, I know who you're talking about because he 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 was let go by by the Lightning, and then I he's, I believe it was around. Around. Yeah, he went. I think to come with Blue Jackets, and then Blue Jackets also let him go as well. But you can't. Or in St. Louis, maybe uh, might be available. No, he's staying in Toronto. He, he's not coming on this way. Don Tortorella. There you go. But he's not. No offense to John either. He, he's not a head coach anymore. Well, he was he, interviewed he, by the Flyers last week. Yeah, but he's he's not okay. He's <laughs> not going to get the organization where they need to be. It's that simple. He's not. He, he I know that. I'm just stating the facts of who was. Yeah, uh, but again, it, and but that goes to show you too. There's no you don't have. It's different. David said right that they're calling them to join the league. No one is calling the Flyers because who's going to pick up the phone? Gritty. What's he going to shake around and tell him exactly what's going on? Howie Roseman. Exactly. So you figure they, they were willing to spend. This is how dumb the organization is. They went to spend money on a mascot. Instead of spending it on the guys that you need, you spend the money on a freaking mascot. For what? The mascot's not going to win a championship for you. I mean, that's like telling President of Philly Fanatic, hey, listen, uh, God bless David Montgomery, but now you're running the ship. We didn't have a mind running the Phillies. 
He's it a, is he's what it is right now. He's a good-looking guy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, bring some passion maybe that maybe he's lackluster right now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's just, you know, you just don't know where this organization is going to go. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be who the hell knows. But I will say, I got to say, though, the Lightning big series, by the way, starting on Wednesday against the New York Rangers, and uh, hopefully – they could become the first team since the other New York team, the Islanders, and win three in a row. It will be impressive. And this is a, a Lightning team that I didn't have much hope for in the Toronto series. And after that Florida series and the Panthers obviously caring more about going to the club and partying the night before their game on Monday, which they ended up losing. Uh, I believe that the Lightning may actually have a shot, though, to win the series against the Rangers and find themselves back into the Stanley Cup. Are you for certain about the Islanders? Yeah, I'm for certain. All right. I, I know they won four in a row, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I know I'm those Edmonton Oilers were – I don't think Edmonton or... went three-peat, though. I don't think. I think. No, they went back they, to back. Yeah, they went back to back. But, no, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it was. My Islanders. mistake. I just – I had to think there for a minute. <laughs> no, you're good. You're to good. go back to the early – late 80s, early 90s. But no. I, I think it's going to be a good – it's going to be a good uh, Eastern Conference final. It's good to see the Rangers back, though, in kind of a decent spot because, you know, they've kind of struggled yeah. the last few years, and it's good to see them, I guess, back in – Kind of the, mm. the spotlight, if you will. Again. You got a Rangers jersey. Uh, I do not. I have a Ra- Texas Rangers hat, though. Two diff- two different teams. Yeah, but uh, Texas and New York. It's yeah. I mean, they have the same colors. At least it's like Cowboys and Rangers. Just <laughs> I mean, they're at least I mean Cowboys and Rangers. They play like literally in the same complex. So I mean, that's more. I'll talk about the New York. Oh, 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 okay. not the Texas baseball range. I thought you were talking about Texas Rangers. I'm about nah, to say they play in the same. They play in the same state, so I mean, it's just New York and Dallas. Just don't go with Philly. Don't don't go very well. It's oil and vinegar. By the way, the uh, the Dunedin Blue Jays are playing the Clearwater Threshers Fuji uh, right now, so just got to get that out there. Go Threshers! Yeah, go Blue Jays. Dunedin, let's go. Oh boy! But the other side of the ice as well, you got Colorado and uh, and Edmonton on tonight yeah. as well. So that should be and and I if I have to get the edge, I think I'm gonna get the edge to the Abs. I, I if I look at it, I think the Abs have the edge over Edmonton, and that would be again not saying that it will, but either or whether it be in the Rangers or whether it be in the Lightning, that would be an interesting series against the Abs. I mean, it's it's been a while, it's been a moment since, and I'm pretty sure uh, one of our fans that normally jumps on the show tonight, I'm. I'm Quite certain he's tuned into the game as well, mm-hmm. but it would that would be a real, real interesting series. If I'm not, uh, mis- oh, sorry, uh, no. I was going to say if I'm not mistaken, the Avalanche. I don't believe they made it to the finals or to the NHL Stanley Cup championship games since I think they won the Stanley Cup. If I'm not mistaken, I believe they haven't been to the Stanley Cup since they won the Stanley Cup back in like the '96 season, I believe it was when they were early the 2000s. Early 2000s, okay. Ray Bork. They got Ray Bork in the trade from the Boston Bruins. That's right. That's right. And Ray Bork retired. Peter okay. Forsberg, yeah, mid 2000s. Patrick Waugh. Robert says, uh, I bet some of these college, uh, sorry, these college teams could play better now than some of the pro teams, which is absolutely true. And then Sean <laughs> chiming in earlier, he said the Flyers are a crap show since Comcast owns them. 
with John Torlena. And uh, since the beginning of the Avalanche, is playing lights out, which uh, not surprising. See, not surprising. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be a good series. I think I would. I would like to see. Truthfully, I would like to see the Lightning versus the Abs. I think that'd be a, that would be all seven games. I don't think you're, you're that was you're not sweeping the same way that Lightning are not by any means sweeping the Rangers because you never know. Right now, the Rangers have the momentum, but it's hard to continue mm-hmm. that winning pace. So, and the only advantage that they have is that they, they are able to open up the series tomorrow night in New York, the first two games, and then obviously then you come back down to uh, the town. Mm-hmm. But the last thing that I want to get to here, which a lot of people are calling for Joe Girardi's head to be fired from the Phillies. And I keep saying this, and I say it even more than I'm down here in Tampa, is that a lot of things that the Philadelphia faithful tend to forget, it is just not the manager. You've got pitching coaches. You've got batting coaches. You have your hitting coach. You have the guy basically who stretched out your muscle. You, your players, you guys need to come to understanding that if you are not playing to your full potential, you need to figure out why you're not playing at your full potential before people start going for Joe Girardi's head. Okay, yeah, they're what? You don't oh. have back at this point. But if you keep, again, I would love for someone to say, and I heard the silliest things that there was someone would like Lenny Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra can't take care of Lenny Dykstra. So how is Lenny Dykstra going to take care of the Phillies? Well, there's a lot of blame to go around. I mean, all right, yeah. should Girardi go? Who are you going to replace him with? Yep. Also, Dombrowski, you know, you bring in guys like Familia, Brad Hand. Like, you know, it's it's a third, it's like putting a band-aid on a third degree burn with this damn bullpen. Every year, you know, it's just it's like a, a revolving door of guys you bring in. And mm-hmm. as I said, you know, Dombrowski's got to take some of the fall too. I mean, I obviously like I stated last night to our friend David Esser on Twitter. The reason they go out and spend stupid money is because they got a depleted farm system. You can touch on this, Dylan. You see, yep. you seen their what's down there in the minors, yep. down there in Florida, and it's just it's stupid money. I mean, all right, Castellanos, great pickup, but you know you got to have some homegrown talent. They have a couple guys, but not enough. Or I mean, Nick Nelson. How's this guy in baseball? Yeah. And even some of the guys recently who have been their top prospects, like guys like Mickey Moniak. I mean, you know, Moniak's been good, but he's also dealt with a lot of injuries. And he was in the minors forever. I mean, he was drafted as a number one pick and was in the minor leagues forever. I mean, fortunately, he sort of panned out when he got to the major league level. But, I mean, you look at some of those guys, Veerling, I mean, guys who, you know, have been in the minor league system for a while, they finally get their, you know, show and – you know, they, they do good and stuff, but, you know, they deal with injuries or they have something else and such. And and then obviously lower in the minor leagues for the Phillies, it's it's not really, you know, the best, if you will. I mean, you got Andrew Painter who's killing it down in the minor leagues. I'll give that. Um, Andrew Painter is a young top p- pitching prospect for the Phillies, so I think he's going to be a stud. But, I mean, it's it's kind of – you're kind of picking and choosing who you got in, in, in the minor league system for the Phillies right now. And, uh you know, they just don't – they put their money in on their bats, but they haven't put enough in on what needs to actually be done, and that's the bullpen because the bullpen right now is, yeah, as you well, mentioned, they're just basically putting on Band-Aids and hoping that they turn out decent. Well, like, Familia hasn't been good in, what, like five, five years? years? Yeah, since he was with yeah. the Mets. I mean, and then Brad Hand, he's he's okay here and there, but, I mean, all in all, I mean, you got to well, – I mean, I know pitching can be off you, and on. Like, I mean, you look at the Rays, they get guys who are nobodies and they end up pitching great, but, I mean – 
it's it's weird you know it's it's a weird time right now to be a phillies fan because the team's not playing well and there's they're streaky right now it, it's not a this, this team don't even have a legitimate leadoff hitter. no no well, you're plugging segura herrera leading off reese hoskins and sure we're batting like 189 i yep. mean come on like no, it is it's like Sean's comment. He says it comes down to whoops, did it? Yeah, there it is. It comes down to Girardi in the blowpen. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, the cool pen. And that's exactly what it is. It's the blowpen. He's he's absolutely right. You gotta get an everyday center fielder, but it's true because they didn't they want to spend the money, and we talked about this. Fuji and I, we, we we talked about this on the phone, you know, way prior to, to the show tonight, is that they didn't spend, they were looking for their starting pitching rotation. Okay, so you have it. Maybe not all together, but you have it, but you didn't. You, you short reliever, long reader, middle reliever, you don't have those. So what do you expect from a coach or a manager if you don't have the necessary tools to, to be able to, to put the team together? And unfortunately, that's not what we're seeing. You take a team like the Chicago White Sox that from, again, single A to triple A to now the majors, they have done things right the way they're supposed to. And speaking of, Tony Russo was completely right when he mentioned about Gabe Kapler because – you don't bring the national anthem into things that it is doing with everyday society stuff. I hate when people are starting to use now the national anthem as a crutch to say, I don't like the way this country's going, and therefore I'm going to choose not to come out during the national anthem. Well, you know, you can also choose to see yourself to go out of this country as well, because don't forget the men and women who defend this great nation for that national anthem that you sing and for you to be that coach, right? Let's not forget that, first and foremost. So, Gabe, no one's missing you, right? You can do your gym tan laundry somewhere else in some other freaking place. If you want to go overseas, go overseas. Let me know how it works out for you because I can guarantee you you're not going to get the same stuff that you get from the Giants that you will here. So good riddance to him and he was in the first place. I'm glad he's gone and him and his stupid analytics. But anyways, many glad to see him back. Maniac uh, came back is, is positive. Don't want to see Abdul out there. Abdul Herrera, um, Rick says, number one, why use a manager like Girardi if analytics can be done by a computer? And two, if analytics are so great, why are Phillies under 500? Which is true. Analytics to me, I'm sorry, it's old school baseball. That's something, speaking about Jim Tannen, oh, that's what that moron wanted nobody all the time. Plays that. Nobody plays small ball anymore. Yeah, Straight nobody does. Medals. Nobody bounces, nobody steals, no hit and run. Like That's just how it is. It's ESPN reels. How many yeah. home runs or how many extra base hits are you going to? That's all yeah, it it's it, it, it. I will be honest. It is kind of like unfortunate to see baseball like turning into a sport that people just care about hitting home runs and and the incredible plays. And don't get me wrong, I, no, don't foreshadow that because that is a part of the game and that should be still like you know looked at. But there are guys who are having three for four nights and are hitting the ball, you know, singles and doubles and just yeah. contributing. And that's really what's important is if you can get on base and contribute in any way you can and. And just being able to get base hits and adding in runs. I mean, that's all that matters. Yeah, but this, this this team, this Phillies lineup, all they do is live and die by the long ball. Oh, I know. That's how they baseball don't know how most of the time. runs without hitting home runs. Yeah. Well, it's so look at the NBA. The NBA's living and dying by what? The three. The long ball. That's what the NBA's going by. They, they, they talk about threes. Oh. You can't what happened to going in the paint? What happened for your short turn on jumpers? What happened to your easy layups? No, everybody wants to go by the threes. I must so, say, well, with the NBA, I mean, with the NBA, with the three ball, I mean, that's a little bit different. That's just the evolution of the game. With, in terms of baseball, it's so analytical now, and it's become to a point where it's like, I don't know, like, 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 
in basketball, like it's just different. Like, like the three ball is just a part of people's games. Like that's like that's actually you know like in bait. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to explain, but it's kind of different in my opinion. Well, I don't know. It's just different than the era we grew up in. The yeah. big man was the big man like Kareem, Moses Malone, Shaq right down in the paint, boxing out, getting rebounds. Love Joe LMB, but when you're taking threes from the top of the key, that always fired me up. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. I don't. I think like it's, if you're like if you're like a center taking threes, so I would get mad. But I mean, it's I it's know. just not what we came up in. No, I understand. I understand. Nope. Sean says, "Well, saying to uh, Kevlar and nice game eating coconut oil wearing can get the hell out." And and listen, I'm I'm not the one that tries to bring anybody down because I always say. You don't have to talk crap about say about anyone because they do it to themselves. But one thing that people tend to forget in this great nation of ours, even if you don't agree upon everything that's going on in our society, you are not able to do what you do here in America in other countries. Let me point that out to everyone. I took the oath many years ago to defend this country, and until this day, I will defend this country if called back to action to do so because that's how much I love being here being able to do what we do right now on camera. This is exactly what I love to do. But don't turn around and act because you're going to take it out on the national anthem, something that has nothing to do with society, to do what you end up doing. So I I, I so don't care for Gabe. I really don't. I don't care for Gabe. For the people who decide they want to go and hang out in their locker rooms because they don't want to come out during the national anthem and everything else, you know what? Go overseas and let me know how it works out for you. But with that being said, I'm going to leave it alone before I go into a major rant. Calm down, my man. Let's just what was said, what was what was said was said. Let's let's just get to the fact of the points of analytics. You know, that's just how to me it's just baseball's killing itself. They're losing fans. They have been losing fans for a long time. I don't agree with analytics. I'm an old guy, but you know, you just gotta take the sport for what it is. It's, you know, it's just how it is. And, you know, that, there's always been a black eye on baseball no matter what. You know, billionaires and millionaires fighting. They want to change this. They want to put a speed clock in. You want to get rid of umpires and put robots and all this. It's just – it's a dying sport. It's a shame grow up loving it, but it's not the game it was 30, 40 years ago. No, it's not. But Dylan, I know you had uh, one last thing to say here before we wrap up because we are into super bonus time. <laughs> yeah, so I got two things real quick. Uh, I, I told you, Angel, about this, I believe, today. Did I tell you? I might have figured out the first time. But uh, I do have a second gig now, a second uh, gig. I'm now working for Fansided as a raise paid contributor. So I am now going to be writing articles for fansided.com as a Rays contributor. So I'll be writing about the Tampa Bay Rays here in the area. So very excited to start getting to work on that. And then my final thing, and Angel, I'm not sure if you said anything, uh, but I do want to say uh, I want to uh, give my condolences out for the tragedy that happened last week with the Uvalde shooting. Uh, definitely terrible what happened, and uh, my, my condolences go out to everybody out there in Texas because that was uh, – it was it was really sad. It was sad to see that, and uh, you know, yeah, I know we try to stay positive here on the show, but you know, it was definitely disappointing to see that happen. And, and uh, yeah, so that's all I gotta say. Congratulations on your new gig. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, going to be interesting because I work for the Blue Jays and I'm going to be covering an AL East opponent. So it's going to be interesting to, uh, hey, best of both <laughs> to be covering worlds. it, but it's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. So. Best of both worlds and hey, go back and back and forth. Yeah. And the, the great thing about Fansided is they're owned and run by the same company that also owns uh, Sports Illustrated. So this is a oh, very okay. pretty big company and uh, it's, got, it's got some backing towards it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Spooge pulling for the lightning. Yes. Yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. I, Rick, we're going to end the show on that one. Yes, he is. He he just bought his lightning jersey. So, yes, he is pulling for it. Uh, again. You got your stammer jersey in there, Fooch? <laughs> I'm from Philly. I don't root for New York. New York? Can't do it. No, Why no, would no, I root for the Rangers, the Devils? It's the, Yankees, the lightning, the Fooch. It's the lightning. It's no, Tampa. So why would I root for New York? Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. I'm from Philly. I'm, th- I'm thinking. Philly, I'm thinking. Flippin Philly. No one likes us. We don't care. Hey, listen, Angel. You said earlier, Angel, that you follow the Bucks, so we now know that you are a Bucks fan. Thank you, by the way. We appreciate it. Welcome to the crew. We'll get you your pirate hat and your yeah, pirate. That hat. one went right the over Fuji's head. That one went over Fuji's head. It went over Fuji's head, and then you had to say something at the very end. Thanks, Kelly. This is all live and in your face, folks. You heard it here from my man Dylan. You finally, where's just bring the Brady jersey? <laughs> it's, I don't have a Brady Benedict, jersey. A message to Benedict Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> finally, thank you, Dylan. You're very- you know, I, I, I guess I had to step away and I didn't hear that. He also said dolphins and jaguars too, so we got exactly, to- exactly. You know what? That no, what? No offense, any dolphins fan. But that organization hasn't been right since Dan Marino and Don Shula since Marino retired in '99. Yeah, maybe maybe also it's, since J Lo bought that that franchise how many years ago? Jacksonville. I hope I hope Doggy P does something with that franchise, but that team will be playing over across the pond in a couple of years. <laughs> That's where Fair it's enough. going. No, you know, no, the, you're, you know it's you're going to get some. Uh, Football teams in Europe. I mean, there's first game in Germany this year. The Eagles were actually supposed to play Arizona and Mexico, but I don't know what happened with that part. Mm. They're going to get a reschedule because of everything that's going on as far as the border, and that's the only reason why they want to make sure everybody's going to be safe beforehand. So that that probably that may happen next year, but they're looking more of 2024 to 2025 at this point. Right. And, you know, you can't wait for it. But uh, Rick says that FYI will be heading to Nashville for Southwest for two months. So we'll be checking in from there. Rick, always great to have you check in along with Sean and everyone else. Uh, we do appreciate it, and we got to end the show here because we are in super bonus time. And after a while, people end up tuning out only because on the audio side, it makes it long. Not only oh, that, but we enjoy doing what we do, and we have fun. You know why they tuned out? Because they just found out they're a Bucks fan. Mm. <laughs> turn, turn code fraud. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let, let the games let the games be. All right, we should cut that right there. Finish it right there. Just yeah. keep adding fuel, Dylan. Just please. Okay. Let me just let me just keep throwing gasoline on the fire. <laughs> Don't listen to the man behind the glass here. But anyways, if you guys are in the area, the Tampa area, please visit TampaBayTigers.com. Pick up your tickets here. Your playoff ticket is the first time for Tampa Bay Titans to be in the playoffs. They would love your your support. The game should be June 2nd, I believe, even though the basketballleague.net shows June 3rd. So June 2nd and 7.30 on Thursday, we'll get 
complete confirmation. Make sure we share it on social media. But check out TampaBayTitans.com and also TVLTV.tv so you can view the games and hear the games live on TVLTV. They would appreciate it as well. Today was uh, the Save the Crusade for Kendall, and hopefully that went successfully over their second annual challenge. I'm pretty sure, or yeah, it was today. So uh, hopefully everyone was able to go out there and uh, do the one-arm challenge, which is pretty neat, and we heard about come last year. Also, make sure you visit TampaJoes.com. Our longest senior sponsor here on Broad Street South. You can visit them at 9316 Anderson Road in Tampa, Florida. Hop, skip, and jump over from the airport. Please visit TampaJoes.com. And during the Eagles football season, you can be with the Philly of the South Club, run by Mike Klein, right there at Tampa Joes. We are there from literally August until now January because of the extension of the season. So if you're coming down to Florida, Tampa Joes is your place to be on game day Sundays or Thursdays or Fridays or Saturdays because apparently every week in the NFL this week, we got games all over the place. And also, if you're looking to travel, travel with the pros with phillysportstrips.com. Check out their away lineup games. Arizona being the hottest ticket right now for everyone to be booking. Yes, things are going to be expensive, but also you can go with the A-class organization with Philly Sports Trips and phillysportstrips.com. Also with LG Direct. The aim of the studio here at LG Direct Sales Solutions Studios, if you guys would do us a favor and visit lgdirect.net, not only just for your business sales solutions, but also for any apparel that you may need, hoodies, T-shirts, you name it, visit lgdirect.net or call them at 855-777-3863, 855-777-3863. And with that, I will leave you because it's getting absolutely crazily insane so thank you to my producer over at Studio B, Debbie, for Dylan, who came in off during his off night from the Blue Jays and from Fuji. And I'll probably have to cut off his mic because I know he's going to say something else wise. But for <laughs> Godfather, we, oh, and by the way, speaking about the Godfather, very cool, Fuji, super cool that Dave Spadaro mentioned the Godfather three times during the broadcast. You're welcome. Mm. Thank you for the acknowledgement. He's welcome. the Godfather. He, he might end up being by the time we're all said and done. So, Fuji, uh, take us out. Go, birds. Go, bucks. Go, Jesus. Get out of here. <laughs> That's right. You too, you Tampa Bay Fox fans. Oh.